Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. All right, so we are officially live again. Take two. <laughs> we had a little, a few technical difficulties there, but um, I'm here with Gavin Wade. Thanks so much for making time to jump into this interview with me for the Boca Podcast listeners, Gavin. I, I, it's it's great to actually get to know you along with the listeners because we haven't really had much of a chance to interact. So, um, first of all, again, thank you for coming on the show. But I, I want to get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you live, and a bit about your family. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, great to be here, Nathan. Yeah, thanks so much. We kind of always cross paths with uh, similar people in our networks, but always just seem to just miss one another. Even just you know, a few weeks ago, we were in the same room and just totally didn't get a chance to connect. So I'm glad this is a perfect excuse for us to to hang and to, to get to know one another. For sure. And, yeah. Uh, I like the the kind of raw element of just, hey, I don't really know you, but let's let's have a conversation. I want to get to know you. And then, of course, our listeners get to to listen in with us. So yeah, tell us <laughs> tell us more about yourself. Sure thing. So my wife and I, and now our, our one-year-old daughter, we live in Southern California in Irvine and have been here actually, I was born and raised in Irvine, went to school in Chicago actually out at Wheaton College, but then came back to SoCal and we've been here ever since. Wow. So California life, I've, I've spent, I've been out there just numerous times, largely for uh, my work in the photography industry as a photographer and then owning Photographer's Edit. And uh, I I can't imagine ever getting enough of that that weather. Does it ever get old? <laughs> no, no, it, it doesn't. Uh, maybe, maybe you'd want me to say yes, it really gets old, but no, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't. I love being you know twenty minutes away from the beach and an hour and a half away from the snow uh, at any given point. So we're, we're we're lucky. That's brilliant. So you also have the privilege of of photographing weddings out there, and and I say privilege. I think back to I actually attended a workshop with Mike Cologne years ago. Uh, out there in Southern California. And I remember at the time, I was kind of new to digital photography, shooting weddings with a Nikon D1X. And oh, wow. um, this was, yeah, so less than six megapixels. And uh, the dynamic range was absolutely terrible. But we were out in the middle of the day. This is about three o'clock in the middle of the day. We were out on the beach and we were photographing this model. And every single exposure, that I just had the camera, I think, in aperture priority, and it was nailing every single exposure. No blown highlights or anything. The light there is just absolutely stunning. So just the simple <laughs> fact that you get to photograph weddings in California means that you're privileged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Little yeah. side note there. But how did you get into photography in the first place? Tell us that story. Well, you know, it's really funny that you bring up Mike Cologne because he is actually our mentor and was the person who got us into the photography world. How interesting. So, yeah. So um, I was kind of uh, involved with some of his workshops in the past, um, but not as a photographer, but more as like helping out. And heck, I even modeled uh, my then girlfriend at the time for one of his workshops there yes. in Newport Beach. And so I'd always kind of, you know, seen the photographer world and lifestyle and really kind of loved everything about it. But, you know, I just kind of tucked that off to the side, followed my career path, which was um, my degrees in kinesiology. And so I was going down the human sciences route. Um, and then, you know, about six months after 
I graduated and was back in Southern California. I was working actually for Taco Bell, uh, not like drive-through wise, but more on like the corporate side of things for their health and wellness. And uh, was just, gosh, like liking my job but not loving my job. And my girlfriend at the time, my now wife, uh, she kind of had the same feelings about her career. She's like, yeah, you know, she owned her own business, but it wasn't exactly going the way she would want. Uh, for the next 50 years, at least, she just didn't see herself going that same route. I was kind of the same way. And I looked at her and I said, hey, you know what? If, if you could do it all over again, what, what would you do? And granted, like, that's a heavy question. We were dating for like three months, right? So we're, we're still getting to know, know <laughs> I love it. You're just like, diving right in. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's just what we did, right? And, that's cool. Uh, and she said, well, I would love to either do real estate or photography. And it was 2008, so real estate wasn't happening for nobody. So I was like, hey, like, that's crazy. Like, I actually love photography too. And like, this guy named Mike, and I was involved with these workshops. And hey, like, you want me to like call him up? And I, I remember a couple people that I met there, like, you want to just like see if this is something you want to do? She's like, yeah, let, let's do it. And like, literally, less than two weeks later, we had already attended a photography conference uh, and we had invested our life savings in, into camera gear, which quite honestly, it was just like one camera body and one lens each. <laughs> but it was our life savings, right? And we said, hey, you know what? Let's see if we can do this. And um, well, I guess the rest is history. Eight, eight years later, here we are. Oh, gosh, almost nine years. Um, Mike took us under his wing uh, in his mentorship program. And it just kind of um, catapulted us in our first year. Shot like 30 weddings our first year. Whoa. And then, yeah, and we got married, you know, probably two months after that even, and, you know, just quit our day jobs after we got back from our honeymoon. And we've been shooting full-time weddings uh, here in SoCal and around the world ever since. Wow. Okay. So I have, I have multiple questions now. This is, <laughs> this is fascinating to me. And I, I'm, for the longest time, I've just been fascinated by, by relationships, the dynamics of couples in particular. Uh, but I, I want to take a step back first. You said that you were in, in, in kinesiology. That's what you studied. Can you define that for us? What, what is that about? Sure. So think of like biomechanics, uh, human movement, health and wellness, uh, like physical therapy or some type of rehab or anything related to just the body in motion um, is what my degree was in. Uh, to start it out as a business major, uh, took all of one economics class and said, this isn't for me and loved my health and wellness class that I was in as just part of my gen eds uh, at school. And said, you know what, I, I'm really interested in this. And I always loved fitness and, and exercising and such. So I just dove into that and, and loved it. Uh, but coming back back into SoCal, because I was doing personal training, I was doing fitness consulting and such, I realized there's kind of going to be a ceiling. Either I become the next, you know, Billy Blanks or something like that for Tybo. Sure. Or, or, you know, I need to go back to school for an advanced degree or med school or, you know, uh, something like that. Uh, I just didn't see the path to something that got me really excited about it. Uh, and photography, completely the opposite. I got super excited right out of the gate, even though I knew nothing about it. And as did my girlfriend at the time and now wife, you know, we're saying, look, let's learn this together. So we dove in head first, but really not knowing what we were getting into, just that this was something we were interested in. And do you, was it the, the creative element of photography that drew you in? What was the, the, the big draw? You know what? I'm, I'm a techie guy myself. So I loved the, at the time when digital was just starting to really catch on, I loved the kind of marriage of technology and creativity, you know, you know, from computers to cameras to 
all of those various aspects. And then when you added the business element in there as well, it just really piqued my curiosity of, wow, okay, I can ideally have the type of schedule that I can set and love of photographing couples and at places that really get me excited and make a living for myself and my family that still provides that flexibility that I might not have uh, with a nine to five. Yeah, there's so many elements of, of running a photography business that um, well, that are really an easy draw, but it's funny that you mentioned that technical element. If I look back to when I started wedding photography in 2000, uh, 2001 or so, um, that, that was the, that was the initial draw for me. And it's funny because I, when I have an opportunity to share or speak to share with or speak to photographers now, uh, one of the things I talk about is establishing kind of this big overriding goal, set of goals, a big picture view that drives what you do in your business. But I think back to when I actually got started in, in photography and I was just excited to buy an expensive camera. <laughs> and at the time it was film. So I, it was a Nikon F100 and in comparison to this this inexpensive Minolta SLR that that uh, I had that we had, um, it was oh, it was awesome, right? It 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 was so snappy and and the, the focus was faster and um, the, even the, the the little motor that that wound the film moved quicker. You know, it was I was just excited about the tech and I was lucky enough that that uh, I learned much that I learned much more than just the tech side of things and was able to actually build a business. But it's funny that it's funny the things I mean, you talk to different photographers about what actually draws them in in the first place. Uh, I can definitely relate on the on the tech side. But yeah, the creative element, of course, the freedom and the flexibility that comes from actually running your own business is is really powerful. Uh, and, and I actually want to get into we'll, we'll talk here in just a little bit more, more about your you have an additional business that you dove into. And, and we'll talk about how you got into that. But before we go there, wedding photography, I mean, wedding photographers, there are a lot of them, thousands and thousands of them out there these days. What What is your brand position that actually sets you apart? Because you've got some really stiff competition in Southern California. Not only are you one of the most beautiful locations in the U.S. to be photographing weddings, uh, but there are other photographers out there that realize that as well. You've got some pretty stiff competition. What is your kind of distinct brand position? What sets you guys apart? Yeah, I mean, you aren't kidding. When we started uh, in Irvine, I mean, literally within a five, maybe seven mile radius, we had some of the industry's biggest trendsetters in our backyard. We had Mike Cologne, we had Jasmine Starr, we had Jessica Clare, we had Becker, we had just a lot of, you know, these people who, you know, were out and about and literally kind of controlling the pulse of the you know, wedding world at, For sure. at the time. And so it's just like, okay, like we're nobody's like, we're just starting off. Like we have a ca one camera, one lens, like how can we differentiate? How can we get a foothold? How can we just make a living first of all? Right. While the, the tech side and the business side of things was the glitz and glamor that drew us in. Like it's not on the brochure when you become a photographer that, Hey, you're probably gonna spend 20% of your time if you're lucky behind the lens and the rest is establishing great systems in place to help you succeed on the business side. So true. And, and so it's one of those, just how do we get rolling? Right. And for us, I, I think we had a little bit of an advantage in a couple of ways. One, the wedding photo world here wasn't as saturated as it is now. I mean, I, I could chuck a rock from our house right now and probably hit five different wedding photographers, I'm right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those places because as you said, it's beautiful location. It's almost a year round wedding season. For sure. Um, but, but for us, when we got started, we were in that age range where a lot of our friends were getting married. We were in our early twenties. 
we either, you know, through our own networks, new people who were engaged or getting married. And so we had a lot of subjects around for us to literally just practice on. And, you know, just our goal wasn't to, you know, become millionaires in our first year. Our goal was to get experience, was to learn, and was to learn as quickly as we possibly could to grow our brand to the place where we knew, hey, in two, three years, you know, we wanted to be a, a full go at this. Uh, so setting ourselves apart really just focused first and foremost on what our style was, was just finding our fundamentals, right? I mean, we literally bought our cameras and shot our first wedding within eight weeks. Wow. And I remember, I remember not even sleeping at all, like for the the night before and just being a nervous wreck yep. the entire day. But you know, it was low pressure. Like there were friends of ours, they were getting married like six weeks or less. Like it was a type of deal where we lost money on the whole thing. We drove eight hours each way. You know, they were totally fine with, with knowing we were so new, but it was just one of those things where we're like, okay, like we are literally getting chucked into the deep end right now. How do we swim? And in so many ways, I think that was crucial for us at various points in us getting started in terms of it just forcing us to learn and adapt and pushing us beyond that comfort zone, because that's what always got us to that kind of next level. So. That's interesting that you mentioned that, too, because I, as much as I mean, I was just talking about how my a big part of my motivation getting into photography was something as simple as just enjoying the tech side of things. But uh, it, it, and it just simply wasn't a very calculated approach to doing business. I, we just kind of started shooting. Uh, mm -hmm. I photographed with my spouse at the time as well. And I, this idea of, I, I'm very much drawn to this idea of just kind of jump and build your wings on the way down approach. I know Mike even actually, we're talking about Mike Cologne. Mike is, has kind of a very similar approach as well. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we've both been influenced by that, but, uh, how, do you recommend that to photographers based on your experience now? Would you recommend they, they just go for it uh, as opposed to kind of having at least some type of plan in place before they do? Well, you know, I think, you know, gone are the days and I wouldn't recommend that, hey, max out the credit cards and just take the leap, right? Which was kind of what Mike did in, in many ways at right. that time. And, it, you know, that that was a different level of risk than maybe some people have. Some people may be more risk adverse to, than that. Uh, I'm, I'm not one of those people, but <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But like, it's, it's, you know, I wouldn't say that now. I wouldn't say, Hey, like decide your wedding photographer, quit your day job and just, it's all going to work out. Right. I mean, I think that's, that's more of a, a cavalier approach to how I think a successful photography business is built now, like eight, nine years later, or even, you know, longer than that in, in your case. Interesting. So I, I would say right now in terms of building a photography business, you need to know the fundamentals because I think the mindset at the moment is because it's so saturated, you're looking for any possible either edge or corner to cut such that you can get there more rapidly, right? Because you want to kind of rise above this particular pool of people who are in your same space and you want to set yourself apart. And I think in many ways, it's, it's not maybe encouraging, but it's alluring to bypass a lot more of the technical side of things related to photography right? Uh, hey, I can shoot in this type of mode, or hey, I can shoot with this type of camera, or hey, this camera has got 15 stops of dynamic range. If I just get it in the ballpark, I'll just fix it later, and you know, it'll all be okay. You know, Some of those types of things, some of those types of approaches, uh, I think, have changed now versus when and Aaron and I started. It was all about the fundamentals. It was all about color, exposure, uh, composition, you know, all those things, um, because back then, even with those types of 
cameras, even like with the you know the six megapixels of fantastic you know clarity, uh, <laughs> you didn't you didn't have as much margin of error, right? And it's just various things that you know you needed to kind of have dialed in. So I think that kind of answers your question a little bit. But it was just you know I would I would do it differently now than back then, but it worked for us at that particular point, and I think the underlying principles of which we kind of approached really helped us uh, get to where we are today. Sure, sure. So I guess in the end, though, just kind of bringing it back around to the original question, what would you say is your brand position? And like, what is that distinct difference in comparison to the photography businesses around you? Well, we have the husband and wife aspect. So that, you know, is, is, a, is a slight element. There's a lot of husband and wife teams, which are great. And you don't need to be a husband and wife team to be successful. Uh, but I think that is one element. Uh, the other one is truly just our, our approach. So, you know, I think at a certain point and a certain level, clients can tell the difference between good and bad photos, but maybe not, at least not right away, can tell the difference between good and great photos. Uh, and it's our job to kind of allow them to see the difference and, and to show them the difference and also to accompany that with an experience that exceeds their expectations in terms of what they have preconceived coming in to saying, hey, I need a, a wedding or a portrait photographer. And so I really feel that the experience, the approach, and then the end result is what sets us apart. Uh, we, we capture things a little bit differently. We interact with our clients a little bit differently. But ultimately, just our eye and how we view certain events or certain things it's just we always like to say we want you to get transported right back to that moment without any distraction of filters or effects or anything. It's either true to life, true to life color or black and white, and it's you guys being the center point and focal point of all of those images. So kind of telling that story with all distractions removed because you know, 10, 12 years from now, once the memories fade, this is what you've got. So we are always shooting with that in mind. Interesting. Well, you know, and I was thinking as, as you're talking to the, the as busy or as crowded as that space is that you're in there in Southern California. What's really fascinating these days is is the very fact that we can capitalize on our immediate social network, um, mm -hmm. both literally and figuratively and and focus on marketing to them. So while, as you said, there are other photography businesses that um, that involve couples photographing together or. Um, there are other photography businesses, photographers who talk about the significance of the quality of their imagery or the difference between theirs and say just kind of the, you know, the weekend shooter or whatever the case may be. You get to carry that message specifically to your network. And it's not very difficult at this point then to kind of build a business through that network specifically. And I think that's a kind of a fascinating concept. I know that I get uh, kind of a combination of jaded and overwhelmed when I think about creating content to market my editing company. Mm -hmm. And because I look around and I see all of this, this uh, digital noise, if you will, everybody's creating content. But I was at a marketing summit earlier this week. We, we chatted about that briefly earlier. And uh, one of the things that I took away from that was the significance of focusing on marketing to my network specifically, that, that our fan base wants to hear from us or wants a service from us, or in your case, wants the photography from you, and you have the ability to be able to, to kind of build on those relationships that already exist in that network, and then ideally you do a wonderful job, and then they're promoting you to, to their friends, and your network continues to grow. Uh, it's, it's a really exciting time to be in business, and in some ways, a much easier time to be involved in business. As, as, as noisy as the market may be, we also have incredible tools in place that enable us to, to build a business even pretty quickly, and you guys are 
pretty powerful example of that. So kudos to you for that. Now, you mentioned working with your spouse, and I know just from personal experience that that can be a challenge at times because they're two individual people with different ideas, interests, styles. How do you make that work effectively and then maintain a, a healthy personal relationship as well? Yeah, it was we we had an interesting dynamic between the two of us even right out of the gate. I mean, I, I met Aaron on eHarmony and then two and a half weeks later we met in person and there was a disaster of a first date, but then three months <laughs> after that Wait, 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 you can't you can't skirt over that. We we have to know a little bit more about that. What what was such a disaster about the first date? Uh, well, you know, the eHarmony thing, we both kind of joined it on a dare because we both owned our own businesses. So we had, you know, no way to meet people. And so our various friends just said, look, do it. It's free. Try it. Like, it's not, <laughs> a little, it's not as, as uh, stigmatized as it now as it was like then. But even back then, you're kind of like, oh, come on, man. This is like such a such a Hail Mary type of deal. But uh, we did it because, hey, I got 30 days free. Why not? Like, what the heck? <laughs> and, and so, you know, they make you fill out this profile thing. It takes a long stinking time. And then you say, OK, pair me up with people who are within X amount of radius. Right. And I said, well, I, I'm not driving for nobody. Like, I'm busy. So I just made it like 20 miles or less. Right. Like, keep it within SoCal. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. sure. Um, and uh, she did the same thing. Anyways, long story short, uh, we get matched up together. We start chatting and then it comes time to schedule our first date. And we realized very quickly that eHarmony, well, maybe had screwed up from a technical perspective, but maybe not in the big scheme of things because we were actually over 100 miles away from each other. No way. And yeah, yeah. She was up in like northern Simi Valley area. I was in, you know, southern, southern California. And she's like, well, I mean, we're kind of into this. We like each other. Like, you want to schedule that date? She's like, I'll come to you. I'm like, sure. Like, no problem. She'd never been down in this area. We're going to go to the beach and hang out. Cool. Anyways, she comes down, her car breaks down on the way. It literally like engine block melted as she rolled into my driveway. Whoa. And, and so there's like, we have a 14 hour long first date, but then she has no way to get home. So she ends up staying the night at my parents' house. So she meets my parents on the first date. <laughs> I, then to, I then have to take her home and drive her home the next day. And then I meet her parents on the second date, Whoa. second day, second date. And then we see each other every weekend after that. And anyways, it's just, you know, and then three months after we start our photography business and we're now doing this long distance while at the same time trying to learn. And so anyways, we have just a super unique relationship right out of the gate. And we were building a business together while also building a relationship. So for us, it, it worked and because we were both passionate about it. And I think what really allowed us to uh, kind of pick up along the photography side of things was because we were learning together for the first time about photography. So we were sitting next to each other, learning from the same person, learning the same, met same methodologies, kind of synchronizing our way of doing things. And so when it came time to running the business, we already kind of were just on the same page, which was a huge advantage, I think, such that we didn't rip each other's heads off. Yeah. And we kind of stayed within our swim lanes of, okay, these are the responsibilities you're going to be doing and these are the responsibilities I'm going to be doing. And thankfully, my wife loves editing. She loves designing. I despise it. I'm a perfectionist. It takes me, you know, 30 hours to edit a wedding because yes. everything has to be just right. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Erin hates the website side of things. She, you know, is slower on the emails and the phone calls and the, the, the personal relationship building stuff. I mean, she's a fantastic people person, but just that type of stuff intimidates her 
with strangers and people, you know, initially. Sure, sure. And so I'm like, hey, I love doing that. Like, okay, I'll take care of all the things before the wedding and booking, and then you can take care of all the things after, you know, as far as the admin side. And that's just what we did since day one. And so it allowed us to get really good at those particular things and streamlined it. And then we kind of bounced it off of each other, you know, when we needed some help or when we saw some opportunities to, you know, be a bit more efficient. Uh, but we literally were in the office together, next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, every single day. You know, granted, sometimes you know oh, you need a little me time and you need to get out. But you know, that's what gym memberships are for. That's what you know SoCal Sunshine is for. We take our pup for a walk or whatever it might be. So uh, that was kind of our dynamic. You know, and you know, building the business together. Obviously, we had some disagreements and such, like anybody does. But look, ultimately, our goal was the same. And so if, you know, oftentimes we would just punt on a subject and say, look, okay, let's try it this way for a couple meetings. And if it doesn't work, then let's try it that way. And so we just kind of A-B tested it, our own guinea pigs, and, and saw what worked. That's So I'm, I'm hearing kind of three main principles there that are pretty powerful. One was just the simple fact that you guys grew together. I think that is a, and I've learned more and more over even the last two or three years, the significance of growth, certainly as individuals, but then as a couple or in somebody in a relationship, growing um, can really stimulate a connection, especially if you have the opportunity to, to grow and learn together. So it's fascinating that you had the opportunity to do that and how that actually encouraged and built a, a healthy working relationship. You also mentioned staying in your own lanes, kind of figuring out what you're good at. And this is a, a business principle that really applies across the board. I think it's really great. But the fact that you figure out what works for you, what doesn't, what you enjoy, what you don't, and separating responsibilities that way, that's really powerful. Um, and then the significance of, and this is also something I've learned more about in the last few years, um, is the significance of independence, still making time to be an individual uh, even if it's something as simple, like you said, of as, as going to the gym or taking the dog for a walk, getting out, having your own space, being an individual, still maintaining a certain level of independence can ultimately kind of drive you back together. You know, if you're always in the same space, always doing the same thing and you don't have that independence, it can ultimately be a bit frustrating. And uh, so I think those are some really great recommendations um, and, and advice and, and you guys are making it work in a really beautiful way. I look at the pictures of the two of you online and there's a certain, I mean, you, it's one thing to look at a pretty picture and even a, a picture of a couple and you're like, oh, that's a great picture. But it's another thing to actually see kind of a light that comes alive in your eyes together. And you guys seem to have a really beautiful dynamic. So kudos to oh. you for the way that you've made it work. And, and I love the fact that even, you know, we, we talked about how you just kind of dove right into photography business. Even, I mean, that's been a theme apparently for your whole relationship. You just dove right <laughs> into that relationship too. It's pretty great. It, it is. It, it all happened pretty fast. And, you know, the the old cliche, when you know, you know, you know, that's, that's kind of happened with us. And, you know, uh, we're, we're still waiting to see if eHarmony wants to pick up us for the, the Super Bowl commercial spot. But we'll see about that. So. <laughs> That's really great. Well, I, I love all of this personal conversation. I think I'm, um, Boca should be more about this. I, I love getting to know you guys on this level. So I really appreciate you sharing that. But in getting ready for this conversation uh, for our Boca podcast listeners, one of the things that we talked about was the fact that you photograph in JPEG. Now, I thought that the, the raw versus JPEG conversation had kind of died off a long time ago, but I love that, that we're going to dive back into this um, because <laughs> that's right. As a, I mean, I shot, I did start on film, but then ended up moving into digital. And as you pointed out back then, 
um, you know, in the kind of early to, I guess, mid to, to late 2000s, the, the cameras weren't just weren't as good as they are now. So something like a Nikon D1X with, with very limited dynamic range, uh, when we were shooting in the Tennessee Valley in Chattanooga area, and you're trying to shoot in the middle of the day, and stark contrast to what it's like to do that in Southern California, here you've got this, this kind of harsh overhead light, and it's casting shadows and and. The, the subject's eyes and you've got wedding dresses that are getting blown out and you're losing shadow detail and all this kind of thing. Shooting in raw was, was a much more important uh, element of photographing digitally at that point. Times have changed. The, 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 um, the technology has improved pretty significantly, but then storage is also cheap. And I personally, I mean, I'm, I'm not actively shooting weddings anymore, but I personally still love the notion of having the freedom and the flexibility after the fact that if for some reason, even if I'm proactively shooting well, very conscientious about the way that I'm approaching exposure and white balance and so forth, that I still have that flexibility on the back end that if I accidentally overexpose a bride's dress or if I totally screw up the white balance or I lose shadow detail, that I can go back to that raw file and, and pull, that, pull that image back to where it needs to be. Um, I, I like that safety net, but I'm really curious to understand why you've chosen to go the JPEG route versus the raw route. So just kind of tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, and I realize this is a very polarizing discussion. I saw something even pop on Facebook a few days ago, and you know, within minutes there was 100-something comments about, you know, shooting JPEG is, you know, dot, 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 whatever, right? Yeah, and people yeah. started to build in the blanks. Uh, some people said, you know, shooting in JPEG is lazy, shooting in JPEG is unnecessary, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, I think honestly, just like when it comes down to any business practice, there is no two thoughts alike, but also there's no two, you know, ways to, to skin the cat for as far as what works for you. And so Aaron and I learned that way. We learned to be, as you said, very conscientious about color exposure, everything like that. And I think we really just kind of found it to work the best for us, for our business, for our post-processing, for our turnaround times, for our style. It just all led us to that. And we always, you know, with our business, it was always kind of like, hey, you know what? We're not going to just change something just because we feel like we need to change something. We're going to change something because we see we need to change something. Uh, we're, we're not going to, because, you know, if you always kind of chase shiny things in business, not saying, you know, uh, this is necessarily one of those cases, but, you know, you can constantly always feel, hey, you know what, I need to change my website. Why? Because everyone else is, or, oh, it's been a year, and so I just need to change it. I don't know why. I just feel like I need to, right? I need to sink thousands of dollars into this, that, or the other. So for us, you know, when it comes down to shooting in JPEG, uh, two things have kept us shooting in JPEG. Uh, one, has been just the post-processing time for us and for what works for our various swim lanes. You know, Aaron's got a wedding out the door uh, in less than, literally a whole wedding out the door delivered to our clients in less than three days. And that's with having a one-year-old now who just naps wow. twice a day. Uh, so at the end of the wedding is cold, edited, and delivered inside of that time period. Um, so super, super fast. And then also the second thing is that we learned very early on to, you know, pick places, pick environments, pick spots where we photograph that allow us to succeed. So it's not forcing a square peg into a round hole for us in, in some cases. Yes, with the spontaneity that wedding days sometimes incur, you know, we can't always pick and choose. But for really the parts of the day that truly, truly matter, uh, we have learned to know exactly where we can be, what we can do, what lighting scenarios, you know, what 
various, you know, foreground, midground, background types of stuff, what things we can do that will allow our images to obviously not be overexposed. We're constantly adjusting our Kelvin white balance all the live long day, kind of communicating with each other such that it's very synced up, looking at skin tones, blinking highlights, our red and green channels in our histograms, just constantly, you know, making a hundred different assessments at every given moment, just to make sure that when it comes time to that post-processing, we're able to rock it out. And so with the type of in-camera stuff that JPEG can do with us manually adjusting all those other things, it just became to the point where we, we were never needing to have that extra latitude. I mean, maybe once every 10 weddings or something, there was maybe something where we were like, ah, you know, I wish I could have pulled that back a bit, but not to the point. Got to convert it to black that, and white now, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. When it's out, just black and white. But, yeah. uh, but no, for us, it, it just never was uh, a necessity. And maybe I'll eat my hat in a year when we figure out, you know what, we need to make a change. But thus far, there hasn't been anything that's that's driven us to do that. Uh, never once have we, you know, knock on wood, uh, not delivered an image to a client or missed a moment or anything like that in shooting JPEG that RAW would have prevented. Wow. Well, that's that's impressive, and that speaks very highly for your case. Now, a couple of questions or a couple of notes there. First of all, um, the the point that you made about not chasing the whatever the latest shiny object is, as you put it, I, I love that. Uh, and again, going back to this idea of kind of a big picture view, I think it's really important that photographers are clear in their business about what it is that they're working toward. Uh, and actually, you made a point about this in, in discussing you and Aaron's relationship earlier, the fact that you were working toward the same thing. And I think that's really great. But to actually have a clear goal in mind of what your business is about and what you're working toward, that helps minimize the potential distraction. And we've got a lot of them these days. Technology is constantly changing and improving. improving and you know, there's the latest gear and the latest software and the latest Lightroom presets. It's easy to get distracted as a business owner if you don't have that overriding kind of big picture view, the long-term big picture goals that drive what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. So beautiful point. I'm so glad that you made that. But the other thing that, that you mentioned, and, and this kind of has me curious, you mentioned all of the different elements of those settings, everything from simply adjusting Kelvin white balance constantly on the fly to looking at the histograms uh, and so forth. You how do you have time or how do you find time to do that while simultaneously photographing a wedding day and not get distracted, I guess, in the process? How does that sure. work for you? Sure. Well, you know, as the husband and wife aspect, that's kind of great because you always have two eyes on a given scenario at one time. So one can be positioning our couple and the other one can be dialing in those settings, right? And so when the other one comes back and we're ready to photograph, it's just a quick, hey, I'm at XYZ and we're off and running. And so, you know, we're able to adjust those settings based on the location that we're at, right? And, and very rarely on a wedding day does something change so quickly that you can't sight up with experience, sight up and know, hey, this is what my white balance is gonna be. This is what my exposure is gonna be. You know, during the ceremony, let's say, like they, they don't move, right? They're coming down the aisle, that's a certain exposure and temperature. They're down the aisle and at the altar, that's a different exposure and temperature. And it's really not going to change much. You just have to be cognizant of if a cloud comes over and you know what that adjusts and does. But you know, with, with just practicing that, you know, four or 500 times, uh, you know, you kind of get to the point where, you know, you can recognize those shifts and adjust very, very quickly. Uh, we shoot Nikon as well. And so I love that the white balance controls are very much, you know, a button and a, and a toggle. Uh, so that allows us also to, you know, kind of quickly adjust those things versus dive into menus. Yes. But, but, you know, that is, you know, we're adjusting aperture, shutter, color, 
composition, ISO. Like we just learned straight out from the gate. We never shot in program mode or aperture player or anything like that, even from day one. Wow. So, so, you know, I don't know if we were gluttons for punishment or not, but it's just what we've done. And so it's what we've forced ourselves to, to hone, I guess, that skill over time. That makes sense. And, and wow, what discipline, though, to start out that way. And like you said, you then develop experience over time that enables you to almost kind of do it automatically, which is pretty great. What would you say to photographers who are curious about getting into that shooting style, that they want the simplicity of JPEG, they don't want to have to worry about conversion later? Um, what's What are maybe top two or three things that they should keep in mind if they want to go down that road? Uh, I would say like... I would say the big thing that we have taken away from it is know what types of lighting situations you can achieve the look and feel that you want for your brand. So for us, that's very much a certain way. For others, that might not be. Some people say, hey, look, I love super like bright, contrasty photos. Like I love direct sun with dark, dark shadows, right? right. Well, if that's the case, then perhaps maybe JPEG's not right for you because you know pulling back you know, really, really dark shadows, you don't have as much um, leeway to do that. So yes. maybe that's not a good decision for you. For us, we are very much backlit, uh, you know, high contrast type of situations where, you know, there's very clear differentiation, but we're shooting usually wide open almost all the time with a longer lens. So the compression is there. Um, we're not really shooting a ton of primes. Like there's just various things of our style that make sense from a JPEG perspective. Uh, in terms of uh, how we kind of approach wedding days and for portraits. So I would definitely say if you're, you know, I, I definitely would say JPEG and RAW is not the first decision you need to make <laughs> when, when, when you know, kind of picking your style. I'd say find what types of things you are drawn to creatively and then let that kind of guide what format really works for your workflow. So if we change things up and if our style changes and we need to do RAW, of course we're going to do it, but we're, you know, uh, one doesn't necessarily dictate the other, uh, as far as JPEG raw. Yeah, I love that. And, and yet again, we're back to that, that very poignant point, which is be clear about what you want, uh, and let that determine what you then do, as opposed to kind of the other way around where you're just haphazardly trying this thing and trying that thing and, and letting whatever the, the, the popular culture momentum, uh, drive you. You're, you're actually making decisions based on what it is that, in this case, your, your business, your brand is about. And I think that's just a beautiful, beautiful lesson for all of our photography business owners. So thank you for that. Um, speaking of business owners, kind of want to segue here to this idea of entrepreneurship. I, I know personally as, as uh, I guess, a self-proclaimed entrepreneur, I was a wedding photographer for about 10 years. Uh, and in that time frame, ended up starting a, an editing company, Photographers Edit, and now we've been in business almost 10 years as well. Uh, but I, I have a, a strong desire for, an interest in, a passion for seeing business opportunities and going after them. And mm -hmm. you had the opportunity to start a company called CloudSpot. Tell us a little bit about that backstory, kind of what inspired that. You already had a wedding photography business. What inspired you? diving into something on top of the wedding photography business, what drove that? And, um, and, and I guess just kind of the backstory as a whole, I'd be curious to hear your take on that. Absolutely. And, and it is quite a story, but I'll give you the reader's digest version. And <laughs> it, it really, I think that's a I throwback think, reference for sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'll, I'll definitely say that CloudSpot started out of just 
a sheer need in my own business, right? Yes. Maybe that's a cliche, maybe not, but I had I had an itch, I needed to scratch it, and <laughs> there wasn't a big enough scratching post out there that uh, that worked for us, and so I just went out and created it. And I just, you know, there's one night, I, again, we're, we're, it always goes back to this impulsiveness, I guess, supposedly like I was at dinner with Aaron one night, and I said, look, I am like, you know, this is an aspect of our business that I'm responsible for. I'm, I'm pulling out my hair over this. It's taking me so stinking long. I hate the way it looks. You know, we're delivering images to our clients digitally, but our brand isn't following along with it. And it's taking me forever to do. And it doesn't really come across in a way that looks like we're this high end brand. It just looks like a, here's your link, have a nice life, like peace out type of thing. And yeah. it just doesn't feel like it's conducive to growing our business. And yet I'm still spending a junk load of time just doing it. Yes. And so I was just you know, venting pretty much or, or at dinner. And, you know, the question was, well, then what would you want? Like what would be something, what would be a tool that fulfills all of the needs that you have for, you know, our brand, for our delivery needs, et cetera. And I said, well, here, here they are. And, you know, I put up, pulled out a legal pad the next day and started jotting things down. You know, it went from a napkin scribble to a legal pad to, a, you know, lots and lots of notes to full wireframes to then finding a developer and then multiple developers and then, you know, saying, hey, Aaron, do you mind if I, you know, d dip into the savings a little bit for us to, to tackle this? And, you know, didn't know what we were getting into, but it truly started out with a means to, uh, you know, uh, streamline our business a lot more. And, you know, here we are, gosh, almost four years later. Uh, and you know, with a lot of twists and turns and such, but ultimately stemmed from trying to solve a very, very specific problem in our business related to digital delivery. That, that makes sense. And, and just to be, uh, for the sake of context of the conversation, because I want to kind of dive back into that process, but tell our listeners what CloudSpot, what, what the brand position of CloudSpot is. Absolutely. CloudSpot was built to be the fastest and most customizable way for photographers to deliver share uh, and sell their photos and really it's kind of like the kiss dropbox goodbye type of thing to where cloudspot is completely invisible to your clients and it allows the photographer's brand to shine and so their logo their branding is injected in every way shape form as far as the end client is concerned but it still streamlines the photographer's ability to deliver images not to just to clients but also to vendors and to market their work out there uh, because I was personally just so trapped in this age, it takes me forever to get my images to my clients, or I make them jump through a bunch of hoops to go and request a download link to get something from somewhere else. It just was still looping back and more work for me. And because of that, I wasn't, you know, keeping in mind the long play when it comes to marketing your photo business, which is, especially in the wedding world, hooking up your vendors that you work with every single weekend. Yep. And so, you know, they are at your mercy. Uh, They're at all photographers' mercy to show the fruits of their labor. And I just wasn't getting it to them because I just straight up didn't have the time. And clients were a higher priority over, you know, our vendors, which is a, a short-sighted uh, view in my point from a marketing perspective. But it just, look, it was reality. I didn't have a chance to do it. So, you know, my, I was spending 80, 90, 100 hours uh, just in digitally delivering images to clients every year wow. uh, and not even my vendors. And with CloudSpot, it allowed me to share images with clients and with vendors and have the experience be way better. And I was spending less than five hours combined. Wow. That's, so. that's a significant value add to your business. And then certainly to those that are now using your service, that's, that's really, really powerful. I also love the fact that you were so clear and simple in your so-called elevator pitch, if you will. I think kind of traditionally, 
the elevator pitch has been anywhere from like 30 seconds to 60 seconds, but that that first that first section or segment of your explanation of what CloudSpot is about only took about five seconds. And I think it's really important. I mean, I know I asked you about your brand position for your photography business earlier and now about CloudSpot, but I think it's absolutely vital for photographers in starting a business, again, especially in this day and age where there are so many out there that you have to establish a really, really clear, ideally even a niche brand position that clearly sets you apart from the so-called competition. Um, otherwise, you can just be another photographer. And I've, I've told this story before, um, It's and I think it's a very poignant one. I, I, as a wedding photographer, I would go to, to wedding um, vendor networking meetings in the local area. And there might be five, six, seven photographers there that would attend these networking meetings. And it, it came time for introductions, and we'd go around, introduce ourselves. And the average photographer there would just say, hey, I'm so-and-so photographer or photography, and I shoot you know, weddings, portraits, babies, families, commercial, sports. And, and they go down this long list, but they, they say that I'd, I specialize in, and then they make that long list. Well, the reality is it's, it's tough, certainly, to specialize in, in a long list of types of photography. Certainly, it can be done, but the idea of specialization is ultimately a big part of what helps set you apart. And uh, I just remember, it, it's, you know, these photographers, they're communicating or trying to communicate what their business is about to these vendors who are looking um, kind of tired-eyed at them or listening to them as they're explaining this. And really, all they take away from that is, oh, there's just another photographer. And mm -hmm. so I think it's so important to have a not only a clear but easy to understand brand position. And um, you did that so well in communicating what your brand position about is about at CloudSpot. That's really exciting to hear too that it's saving you so much time. And I know that translates to your users. That's really really powerful. That's what the photographers edit brand is ultimately about. We're about saving photographers' time because hey, yeah, sometimes we have to throw a lot of extra time into running a photography business. It takes work, but in the end, part of the major benefit of running a photography business, being a business owner is, at least potentially anyway, the freedom, the flexibility, the time that we can have to focus on other things. So any yeah. tools that we can utilize that will save us time so it frees us up to focus on certainly doing things that will actually build our business, but then also in the, the, the relationships in our lives, the important people in our lives, man, the, the, the more... Uh, the more of those, or we certainly need more of those in our lives, uh, and that's that's really really vital. So uh, exciting to hear what you're doing with CloudSpot. But I, just to kind of take a step back real quick, um, especially for photographers who are like, you know, what I have this business idea, um, I, I'm curious to explore that. What what would you? What are two or three things that you would recommend that that photographers who have an idea um, that that they should consider if they're if they're they're toying with this idea of going after starting an additional business on top of their photography business. How would, how would you recommend they approach that? Oh gosh, I think you and I both could write a book probably on that now in, in hindsight. And you know, it's a couple, a couple of things because, you know, thankfully in my situation and you know, it, it was a big, big leap, you know, we, it, especially in software development, right? It always, I didn't realize this at the time, but it always takes longer. It always costs more. And there's always more things kind of hidden under the surface than you can possibly imagine just because it's the nature of the beast. For right? sure, for sure. And, and, and I think that applies to any type of new business that you're thinking of doing, right? Unless you've already done it before or have somebody who's done it before can, who can help you navigate some of the pitfalls of just going into a brand new realm of things, you just got to be able to cut yourself some slack but also give yourself some buffer to know that you're going to be learning 
either on your own dime or on somebody else's or whatever it might be, there's going to be an additional cost associated in some way with you getting you know, your feet wet in what you want to be doing. And for me, I had never been the CEO of a company before. I had never known anything about software development. I had really never known anything <laughs> at all going into what I wanted to do. I just knew that I had a problem. I wanted to solve it. And this is how it looked in my head to, to bring it to fruition. And you know what uh, it meant to just kind of dive in. It seems like, again, we're continuing with that theme, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, there, it's very important, you know, something that I didn't do that I wish I had done was take a very analytical and data-driven approach towards measuring early milestones in bringing this idea to life. So, so true. Uh, and, yeah. and, and there, you know, there were books that I should have read that I read after the fact. There are, you know, people that I realized I should have and networks that I should have reached out to and learned from before diving in. But hey, look, I was just this, you know, kid, you know, this guy in, a, in an office with his wife who had an idea and thought I just had to do it all on my own. So I would say, go out there. First of all, do your research, right? Get as much information about what it is that you're wanting to do for your side hustle or for your new hustle or for whatever it's going to be, uh, for your new passion or for the next stage of your business. Get as much information as you can because sometimes just diving straight in and doing is a recipe for a disaster. And so get as much info as you can. Lay out as much as you possibly can can lay out in terms of planning and timing and milestones and goals. And then just do a straight up business analysis of, hey, look, is the juice worth the squeeze <laughs> when it comes down to it yep. in the early days, in the mid days, and in the later days? You know, where is my exit here? Like, what is the end game? And also, I think it's important to say, hey, when XYZ red flag pops up, I have to be you know, to the point where I could say, look, this is just not worth it, right? Because a lot of times you can invest a lot of time and passion into something, but you can just hold on to it for the sake of holding on to it, right? But you know, like the writing's on the wall, it's not happening. It's not going to work. It is a money pit. It is, you know, just going to drag you down ultimately, but it's that pride element that just says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to make this work even if it kills me type of thing. So it's important to be invested, but also just connected enough to analyze it from a business perspective of saying, look, is this a worthwhile endeavor? Is this an idea that actually fits a need? Uh, or is this, you know, a solution first and I'll find the problem later, right? Yeah, so true. And, you know, the, it, again, it brings us back to this, the importance of, of that kind of big picture view, the, the long-term goals. And, and you said, what is my end game? And I think that's a great way to sum that up. Um, and so whatever it is that you're doing in that business or any business that we start, start and, and dive into for that matter, if, if what we're doing doesn't ultimately live up to the end game, and certainly they're going to be end games as far as our businesses are concerned. Hopefully we're actually setting goals and we're working towards something. But ultimately these are our businesses. And so there's, again, hopefully a personal end game. And if the business isn't ultimately serving that personal end game, then that would probably be good indication. Uh, certainly not without putting some effort and time into it, but it'd be good indication that, Hey, maybe, maybe this wasn't quite the, the right fit for what I want in my, my life. And, and then, you know, to get out at that point, but on a, on a more positive note, that also helps then drive what you're doing in the business. And I think that's really, really important. It, it can't be emphasized enough because I see way too many photographers just again, running haphazardly. Uh, and I've been guilty of it myself, uh, running a business Perfect. haphazardly, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and, you know, trying to make a little bit of money, 
without having a, a clear set of goals that are driving what they do. And that just makes all the difference in the world. And the other thing that you mentioned that I think is extremely poignant as well is the importance of data, um, numbers. You know, I, I can certainly speak, when I, if, if anybody were to ask me as a photography business owner what I would have corrected, if I had it to do over again, uh, it would have certainly been to been to have been more proactive in the way that I manage my numbers, the finances. Um, and that, that certainly hurt me, the fact that I didn't do that. You know, I should have gotten, uh, begun working with a bookkeeper and an accountant to begin with. And not just for the sake of paying taxes, but to also look at the numbers intelligently, to make intelligent business decisions based on those numbers. And of course, that then translates to uh, a kind of a bigger, a larger scale business like CloudSpot or something like Photographer's Edit, where we're working with um, so many different people, so many different photographers, and we're trying to gauge how to best build the business and, and certainly in the more immediate future to how to best serve our clients and data is the answer. And I've, I've had some hard reminders, uh, or I should say I've learned the hard way, uh, the significance of that. Unfortunately, I have uh, a really great business partner with Photographer's Edit who has, has continued to kind of shine the light on that very fact and remind me because I tend to be kind of big picture and lofty goals and dreams and let's shoot for this thing and that thing. But he'll bring it back to, hey, what do the numbers say? And yep. uh, it's, it's been such a great reminder. And I'm and I still feel like I'm, I'm such a rookie in business, even after all this time. But it's been a great reminder. And I think that's a great reminder for our listeners to pay attention to the data. Even if you're a sole proprietor, you're running a photography business that's shooting 15, 20, maybe even 30 weddings in a year and a few portrait sessions here and there. You can act on data and that can start with the finances. You can make intelligent decisions based on where the numbers lie. And if you simply make the effort, take the time to call up an accountant, set up a QuickBooks Online account, and start plugging those numbers in regularly and consistently. Again, not only will you paying taxes and dealing with that aspect of the business be so much easier and simpler, but now you can actually look at the numbers and make intelligent decisions about whether or not to continue this element of your business or whether or not to, to buy this piece of equipment or um, any really any element of your business can be driven by those numbers, by the data. Yeah, we're artists. Yeah, it's going to be driven at some time, at some point in time by kind of our gut, our intuition. But at the end of the day, we are business owners. We need to act like that. And, and it's driven by uh, data. So that's that's a really, really great reminder for our listeners. And I think a great way to kind of uh, close our conversation here. I'm, I'm really stoked about this. This has been fun. It's been, it's been great to get to know you on a personal level. Uh, I hate that we didn't get to actually do it in person, but I know we'll get a chance to do that here in the near future. Um, it's been exciting to learn about your photography business and to dive into, a, as you say, kind of a polarizing conversation about JPEG <laughs> versus RAW. I, I love going there. I want to do more more polarizing conversations. Um, <laughs> and then to learn about Cloud, CloudSpot as well. And guys, anything that you can do to take advantage of a tool like CloudSpot that is going to save you time, that keeps things simpler, uh, you, you've got to take advantage of it. We are, we are business owners, we're artists, yes, but in the end, the reason that we got into, I hope, uh, that the reason that you got into business or one of the main reasons that you got into the business was to have time. Um, you know, we can, we can argue about philosophy and religion and worldview and politics and all these other things all day long. We're going we're gonna to have differences in those. But at the end of the day, what we have is relationships. And if for some reason you're running your business in a way that is keeping you from having the time to focus on those important relationships in your life, you're just, you're missing out. And that's just, that's objective truth. And uh, so I love that you created a tool that enables photographers to have more time, Gavin, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us. 
whereabouts can our listeners find you guys online? Your your company's websites, uh, your social media accounts. Where can they look for you? Absolutely. Uh, well, our photography website is gavinwadephoto.com. Uh, at Gavin Wade Photo on Instagram to follow us and stalk us around there. And then CloudSpot is cloudspot.io. And if anyone wants to kind of see, hey, this is how much time I really can save, you're able to schedule an appointment and you can just chat either with myself or someone on the team. And we can show you exactly all of the cool ways where you can save time and get more of that back on a daily, weekly, yearly basis to, to spend time building relationships and not just being stuck behind your computer. Awesome. Gavin, this has been great. I, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for making time. Uh, hello to Aaron and your beautiful daughter, Lexi, and I uh, hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, Nathan. Good to, good to connect with you and get to know one another better, and I look forward to the next chance. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me Nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. <laughs>